Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Oh, there you go. Good morning. How's everybody? I'm going to turn this heater off because I am, is that off? No? You guys want the heater on? I just turned the air on. Is that all right? No? Yeah. Is it warm in here? Gosh. Okay. Yeah. It, it, you're always going to tick off half the crowd, so you guys don't have an idea what I just did. It's really interesting. Chris, I, I, I want to cover for Rock Harbor because uh, when you're praying for Rock Harbor, you're like all those people stumbling out of bed and stumbling in church. I don't know if there's a lot of drunks at Rock Harbor or that... <laughs> You know, but I don't think they are. I think they're like, you stumbled out of bed? You, uh, okay, let's clarify. So uh, <laughs> I love it that, um, that we pray for other churches. That's, uh, we are just a part of the church in Orange County. We're not the church. If you notice, um, we're in a series on Ephesians, if you didn't notice, but we've been in that. But I want to I wanna do a couple things before. One is, is say thank you. Excited that you guys are here this morning. We got tacos out back. We're, we're celebrating two years. Do you know what? Well, two years in this building. I mean, technically, we've been going as a church, but some people said when we only had 12 people that we weren't really a church. So I kind of, you know, just now we got 15, so we're good. Um, it's, it's interesting what that looks like as a makeup of a church. And, and uh, we've been blessed and watch God slowly just kind of build through a group of people, relationally and, and otherwise. We are incredibly blessed. We love that you guys are here with us, um, and uh, we're excited about what God has in the near future. Actually, um, uh, let's, will you go to that last slide? I'm sorry, you asked, and I want to, there's a couple things coming up. I just want to key things coming up in this next year. One, we start prayer and fasting. I'm going to talk about that, but women's ministry starts in February Men's ministry starts in February also. Um, we have a marriage conference on Saturday, uh, uh, February 10th. I really want you to mark your calendars for that. We will, we'll, it'll be here in this, this place, um, our, our spring women's group in, in April, and then we're, we're going to have a parenting class. There's a lot of things we want to do. You can go back to the original slide there. Um, thank you. Um, and and it's, it's built around what we believe God has called us to this year. And I, I, I believe what God is telling us this year is that, that as a staff, as a church, that we need to be fighting for our families. It's our job as, as Christians to, and, and as a church, is to help equip you to fight for your family. Because here's the deal, whether you like it or not, whether you want to recognize it or not, whether or not... Seth is working on cameras. It doesn't matter. What we know, <laughs> here's what we know. There's a battle going on, and this battle is going on for you, your families, and your children, whether you want to admit it or not. There is a world out there, there's a whole agenda out there that would like nothing more than to deal with your kids the way they want to deal with them, to take away your rights as parents, to break up your marriage, to deal with you in a way that's completely ungodly and, and opposed to this word. Church, we can't put our head in the sands, we can't bury our heads and act like nothing's going on. So, as Chris and I prayed and as, as, as we thought about 2024, we want to equip you. We want to fight for our families with you. And we want to do whatever we can to help you feel like um, that, uh, that you're supported. 
that you have tools in this fight, and that's critical. So first things first, if you look in your chairs, if you don't have one, raise your hand and someone will pass you one, but um, we are, we are um, we're doing seven days of prayer and fasting. Seven days of prayer and fast. If you're a guest here today, welcome. You picked the right Sunday to jump in because I'm talking about prayer and fasting to start off. You're like, I didn't come to this church for prayer and fast. I came to this church because you had tacos this morning, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but tomorrow, no tacos. Uh, what I'm asking, I want to be real clear with this because here's what happens in church so many times. You know, I, I'll preach a message. I'll give you some stuff, and, and we'll talk about something. But uh, that you walk out the doors, and everybody just kind of goes on to the week, and then we come back next Sunday, and I go, hey, what a powerful week. What did God speak to you? go, oh, I forgot about that whole prayer and fasting thing. Well, uh, here is a tangible uh, a resource, papers that, that I spent a lot of time putting together for you and I over this next week. And when we talk about uh, prayer and fasting, I'm asking, I'm challenging, I'm asking you to prayerfully consider to take this week to do that, to pray and fast. Why? For our families. Whether you're single, married, kids, no kids, divorced, what, you know, what, whatever it is, you still have a family. And to fight for that family. Um, and, and I'm just going to walk through a couple of these things on this slide. And, and the first question is, 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 what does the Bible teach about fasting? You know, it, it talks about, I put all this in this document so you can read through it. I won't go through every detail, but, but this fasting is taking this time. Now, here's the thing about fasting, if, if you don't know this, but I'm sure you do. Um, fasting is not about losing weight, but it's a great byproduct. That, that's really funny, but... <laughs> Most of you won't fast uh, uh, Monday to Sunday with no food. I get that. So uh, there's some that are going to fast. No food Monday to next week. So what I'm asking is that you, that you fast something. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's breakfast. Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's lunch. Maybe it's social media. Maybe uh, it's one of those things. But the, the purpose of fasting isn't to lose weight. The purpose of fasting is that you take all that energy, all that food, that dry, I got to have it in it. You, know, you take that and you focus it on God for a period of time and you pray. And, and the purpose is to, it, to intensify your dependence beyond, dependency on God and less on the things around you. It's a stretch. It's a fight. And here, the, in the, the, here I give you the types of fasting that, that you can do. You know, a complete fast. That's, again, from Monday to Sunday. All you drink is some liquids. There's no food involved. That's always the most fun. About Monday, about Tuesday or Wednesday, it gets real tough. But then after you get through Wednesday, it actually kind of rolls and is pretty good. And people you work with, all your friends start ordering donuts around you, you know, and shoving them in your face and go, oh, you're fasting today again, you know. Um, but it, there's something about it. There's, there's selective fast. You can remove something from your diet. You can, you can just fast, you know, at dinner or just fast at lunch or just fast at breakfast. But remember, you're replacing it. You're replacing food with a time of prayer. And if you see and you look in this, um, at each day there's something specific that we're focused on with regards to building and fighting for our families. It's very specific in this so that, that you, when you fast, you will have um, the information what to do. And this is small. We're not going through. This is day one, literally. Um, it, it's a prayer that you can pray. It's a scripture that you can read. It's what to pray for. Now, from starting tomorrow at, at 6.30, 6.30 to 7, every day this week, I will be here, we will be here, 
I will definitely be here. Some of you will be here, and we're going to pray in the church. If you'd like to come, great. If you want to pray from wherever you're at at home, great. If you're just going to pray throughout the week, that's great too. So it is a, a step-by-step day two. We talked about the prayer, um, the power of prayer and uh, in, in our relationships with Jesus and with our families. That's the focus of day two. Day three, the focus is our families and our mental health, our addictions and our, our physical ailments and our safety. Look, mental health is a real thing in society today. Depression is a real thing. Anxiety is a real thing. Uh, it, and, and, and we as a church need to equip our children and one another so that we can walk in the freedom of what God has for us and not be bound up by anxiety, not be bound up by depression. Our kids are fighting the fight, and we need to fight with them. We need to stand with them. Our teenagers deal with things that I, I can't even imagine. So day three, we're going to pray for those things, and I give you what to pray for with your family, including scriptures. On day four, we're going to pray for, uh, oh, that was, did I just do two? Okay, I doubled it up. I can't see what I, I got, but on the paper, it has something different. Um, <laughs> on day five, let's go there. Uh, we're praying for our families' jobs and our living situations. We're praying for, for generosity. We're praying for um, that, you know, if, if you're, you're dealing with a financial issue, if you're looking for a job, if you're, you're struggling in, in something that has to do with your finances, this, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God. Now, let me qualify that. That's not the genie in the bottle. It's not like you rub the bottle and then God's going to drop a million dollars in your lap. I'm talking about God doing what he wants to do and meeting every one of your needs. And on that day, we're going to pray for that. Did you see what I missed, Chris? Do you have it? Ah, day four is fine. Okay. Day four is finances. Day five is God's blessings in, in our situations and everything that we're doing. Day six is, is our other relationships, our marriages, our strained relationships, our, our, the divorces in our family, the moms and dads who aren't talking and the sons and the, and the dads who are estranged and the mothers and the aunts and the uncles, all that we see in family because here's the deal. The church is where we should see unity. The church is where we should see father and sons that, that love one another and are walking in. The church is the place where we should see forgiveness. The church is the play, place where we see families that come together. And in too many families in the church today, they're divided. Why? Because we're not fighting for our families. We're, we're not believing for our families. We're not standing together. Look, uh, the, the reason that we are saying this is the church is because Chris and I believe that we're to stand with you in this. We believe that other couples are to stand. If you're walking through something right now and someone in this church doesn't know about it, we're not being the church. We don't have the ability to be the church. If you're struggling in some relationship in your marriage or with your kids or whatever it is, and someone else doesn't know about it, and it's not about being nosy to be able to talk about it. It's about being able to stand with you, be able to pray with you for someone to be able to call you and talk to you about it so you're not walking alone. Because here's the deal. God never meant for you to walk whatever you're walking through alone. In the same way, when things are great, God never meant for you to walk through the great things you're walking through alone. He meant for you to bring people with him. He means for you to be covered. That's the church, to stand together, to be together. And, and again, remember, each day, it's, it's 6.30 to 7, we'll be praying here. And day 7, that's next Sunday. Invite a family member. Invite someone. We're going to celebrate and we're going to worship. 
or do what we do here. You know, here's the deal with Sunday. This church is not this building. I talk about it all the time. Church isn't a building. This is great. I love that we have a building. I love that we're not outside under a canopy at a school and, you know, dealing with airplanes and, and, and gardeners that are blowing stuff. That's wonderful. We did that for a long time. And, but but th- that was as much church as this is as much church. The big church down the street that has the big show and, and, and has uh, 10 musicians up here and, 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 you know, doing all that they're doing, that's church. But it's no more church than this is church than, than the, the, the church down the street that's meeting under the canopy with their 15 people. And it's out outside and planes, that's church. The church is a group of people. Actually, you are the church. Church doesn't start at 10 a.m. Church starts at 1130 when you leave this place, when you, when you walk out of this place. Too many of us have this mindset is I'm going to the church. You know you're not going to church. You are the church. Too many of us have this mindset is I'm going to show up on Sunday. I'm going to rub the genie bottle and get everything right, feel good about myself and, and, and live like hell the rest of the day and do it again on Sunday. I call it Protestant Catholicism. You know, because we love to bag on the Catholics. Ah, you know, they live like hell during the week and go to Sunday and feel good about themselves. We do the same as Protestants. Stop bagging on the Catholics. Look, church happens when you're sitting in your house with your wife and, 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 and she needs you, or vice versa, you need her. Church happens when you go to Australia and, and you're, you're with a group of your boys and, and you're surfing and, and, and it's, you know, 80 degree water and it's, you know, six, seven foot and holla. that's church. I'm not sitting here listening to me. This is part of it. It's an aspect of it. Church happens when you, when, you, when you eat a meal together, when you come together with your family, when you come together with your friends and you break bread. Right in the middle of that, something powerful takes place. Some of the most powerful things that have happened to, uh, in our family is when we sit at our table. When we sit at our table, we have a big family. We have five. Now we got grandkids. But, but when they were growing up, you know, there'd be a seven of five, one, two. Yeah, seven of us that would sit around this big table. I can't count to seven. Um, and, and just the, the conversations and, and life and, and, and eating food and all those sayings, something happens when you commune together and eat. The power of God shows up. There's power in food. So this week, you know what we're asking you to do? Not eat. Now, for some of you, can't, you, you, maybe you can't not eat. Maybe there's a medical thing, something, or whatever. I, I don't know. So then, then there's other options that you can, you can choose. But, but here's the thing. I'm asking us as a church. I'm challenging you to take some time this week. I'm challenging you to take this home with you. Don't just throw it on the ground and move on, but, but read through it each day. Get up and, and pray. If you can't fast food for whatever reason, you can still pray. You can still fight for your family. You can still be a part of what God has for you. So I'm challenging us as a church. Why? You know why? Because families matter to God. You know why? Because you matter to God. And if you can't 
fight for what is right in here, you're definitely not going to fight for it out there. It's not going to happen. That was my intro. How's that? I'll get us to food quick. <laughs> we, we, we're in this series of Ephesians now. Welcome to Pacific Point Church. Went and got, I'll, keep it, I'll keep it tight. Sorry. Um, <laughs> smell the tacos already. Um, but we, we are. We're, we're back in this, this series in Ephesians. Let, let me read our scripture for this week because it does all tie together. It says this in Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. It says, Now this I say to testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because their ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have, have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, practices of every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. As the truth in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupting corruption through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your mind, and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let me pray. Father, Lord, in this, this next short time, Father God, I just pray that, uh, Lord, speak to us. God, help us. God, give us hope, that hope in Christ Jesus, that we might give it to others. Give us ears to hear this morning. Let my words be clear, Father. I thank you for this time and this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Ephesians 4, this, this scripture, what I, what I love about this is it sits right at New Year's. It's like there's a, a new year that is coming. And it's almost like Paul, you know, that we're right in that perfect place because Paul is saying this to you and I as Christians. He's saying this, don't just, rem just remember who you are in Christ, but live a transformed life. Don't just look at this word and remember, oh, God said I'm a new creation. And there's so many people that, that know that God did something in their life but they don't live as though God has done something in their life. And Paul's saying to the, the, the Christians at this time, what he's saying to you and I is this, the word of God transforms us. The word of God changes us. Don't just say, hey, I'm a Christian, and then your life not match it. We talk about it all the time. We, it, it, life is about gaps. You heard this story before? All right, I'm telling it again. Life is about gaps. I, I, I talk about, it's about closing gaps. And we have this church in America that says, I'm a Christian. And, and, and over here is the life that looks like a Christian. And unfortunately, the gap between I'm a Christian and the life that looks like a Christian seems to be widening and not narrowing. See, what, God, what Paul is saying is this. Remember, you said you're a Christian. Remember, you had this encounter with the creator of heaven and earth. Remember your, your salvation in Christ Jesus. And then he says, now take who you are and, and just close that gap. Look a little bit more like Jesus. Yet no one's like this. Only Jesus lived the perfect life. We got Jesus, and then who's right here? Any of you guys out there? No, then we're, we're, you know, we're, just, we're just slowly moving. The world needs to see a church that is, is closer than this. 
The world needs to experience men and women who have had an encounter with Jesus so much so that regardless of what they're going through, there's hope that's going forth. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, remember, what, what, remember who you are in Christ Jesus, yes. But, but, but close the gap and live like you actually remember who you are in Christ Jesus. Paul emphasizes this contrast between the, the old and the new, you know, who I was before Christ, who I am after encountering Christ, what I did before I knew Christ, what I do now that I've encountered Christ. It's these two, and he's, he says, look, look, bring him closer. Bring him closer. Because this word and this spirit and this Jesus who lives in you changes you. In Ephesians 4, he says, remember and stop. Stop living like your old self. Some of us have had this encounter with Jesus, but we still live a lot like our old self. We still live in unforgiveness. Oh, I had this encounter with Jesus, but I'm, I'm just bitter and mad. Oh, I had this encounter with Jesus, but, but there's this hopelessness in my life. Oh, I've had this encounter with Jesus. But my heart is hardened towards that family member, that person. Oh, I've had this encounter with Jesus, but there's nothing about the purity of my life that would show that. I've had this encounter with Jesus, but all I'm going to do is chase the money. And Paul says, remember, whoa, 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 stop. Remember when you had that encounter, what Jesus did. He gave you eternal life. He wiped away all your sins. He, he washed you as clean as snow. He took your sin, and he threw it as far as to the east to the west, Isaiah says, and remembers them no more, so that you and I can walk in the freedom of Christ Jesus, that you and I can be the church, that we don't have to walk in the bondage of these things, but there's a freedom that we walk in. See, Christianity is about walking in a freedom. He says, you're living like Gentiles, Gentiles, like the world. He, he, he basically, what he's saying is, is, they can't tell the difference between you and the guy who doesn't claim to be a Christian. It's someone, I read something and they were talking about you know, um, is there enough evidence in your office to convict you? Is there enough evidence in your office to convict you as a Christian? Well, let me, let me go another place. Is there enough evidence in your marriage to convict you as a Christian? It, it, would, would, your, would your children have enough evidence to say, yep, convicted, my mom, my dad is a Christian? Or is it kind of like, well, I'm not so sure about that. Now, the reality is we all live in these ups and downs and struggles. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is Paul saying, let's, let's close the gap and look a little bit more like Jesus. You know, it's not that you're not going to sin. It's the time between your sins. And what you did every day now is, hey, once a month, once a year. What, you used, to be a what used to be a pattern in your life is not a pattern in your life anymore. That's when Jesus comes in and brings hope and delivers you. And you actually start to believe what this Bible says about you instead of believing what the world says about you. Living like the Gentiles. Paul says, remember who you are. And in 2 Corinthians, he says this. He says, therefore, 
If anybody has an encounter with Jesus, if anybody's ever been introduced to Jesus, if anybody has had this, this, this moment with Jesus where, where he washed away their sins, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's a new creation in Christ. You're a new person in Christ, Jesus. And many times we say, I really don't feel like that. And part of the problem is we've got to stop believing the lies. When you come into that relationship with Jesus, the Bible clearly says that you're a new creation in Christ. But here's the deal. The enemy speaks lies and says, you haven't changed. Anybody ever heard that lie? Has that one ever been whispered in your ear? Now, here's the deal. The enemy sometimes looks like your husband. Sometimes the enemy looks a lot like your wife. Sometimes the enemy looks a lot like your buddies. And they're saying, you haven't changed. Are you kidding me? I used to run with Eddie when he would (laughs) shake him down, beat him up, strip him naked, and leave them crying. (laughs) He hasn't changed. We were talking yesterday, the day before, and, you know, we, we do these little, on, if you're on, on one of the social media things, um, we do these little clips that just little clips of the preaches and stuff, and Eddie preached two weeks ago, and, and uh, he said some of his buddies from back east, and I don't know, Jersey, were like, there's no way. <laughs> we got to stop believing the lies. See, for some of you out there, you're caught in this sin, and it's just, it just feels like I can't get out. You're caught in this addiction, and it just it, it owns you, and, and the enemy just speaks and says, you'll never get out of it. You're not supposed to get out of it. You're a loser. God can't change you. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. He's nowhere near. And these, 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 these words keep going in our head, and, and we don't believe what the wor- word says about us, and we believe what the enemy says about us, and we get caught in this, this ah, and we can't get out. That's not what the Bible says of me. It doesn't say perfection, but it says that God gives me strength through the power of his Holy Spirit. The same spirit that lives in me is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can overcome that addiction. I can overcome that sin. But let me tell you something about that. When we say that from this pulpit, we many times we don't qualify it because the scripture is 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 fuller than that. What do I mean by that? God never meant you to walk in this thing alone. What we said about family. You think you're going to get through your addiction? You think you're going to get through your your troubles? You think you're going to get through your hard times all by yourself? I don't see it anywhere. Jesus walked with 12. When he sent out the 12 in Luke 10 and Matthew 10, you know what he said? He says, go one together, two of you. Go in pairs. Why? When one falls, the other picks up. When the other falls, the other picks up. When the other needs help, the other's there. Look, some of us are walking in these these lies right now, and part of the reason that you can't get out of that lie is because you've never invited anybody in to help you in it. Pride. Pride. It's the origin of every sin. Pride. I don't need God. Each time that you choose to sin, what we say is this, God, I know better than you, therefore, I'm going to make this choice. 
That's sin, pride, setting us up. I want to fight with you. Here's the deal. I don't want you to believe the lies because they're that. They're lies. You can change through the power of the Holy Spirit. God does care. God does deliver. I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it in my life, and I've seen him do it in Chris's. I've seen him do it with my children. I've seen him do it with many of you. Stop believing the lies. You have to remember, when you, when, you, when you stop believing the lies, you have to replace it with the truth. You have to remember what Jesus did. You have to remember the cross. It's at the cross that Jesus spread his arms and died and bled so that you and I can be forgiven. It's at the cross that we receive grace, unmerited flavor. Because the reality is this, I deserve hell and God gives me life. It's as simple as that. And I have to remember what I deserve and what God gives me. God gives forgiveness. He gives hope. He gives purpose. Paul says you have to remember. Paul says this, remember, remember. Remember Psalm 139, 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Look, it says that his thoughts for you are as numerous as the sand of the sea. I don't know if you've been to the beach lately. I can't count. You can't count the number of grains of sand. It's impossible. The Bible says that that, that God, his thoughts for you, one person in here, let's say for me, are as numerous as the sand of the sea. And you go, how can that be? You know how it can be? Because you're created finite infallible and your mind can't wrap around it. But in order for God to truly be God, if God is God, I happen to believe he is, he's other than. He's not you. He's not me. He's infinite. I don't want to believe in a God that I can match, that I can control, that I can understand. There's sometimes I don't understand and I just got to trust and I just got to say, you know what? I'm not God. Therefore, I'm just going to trust, even though I don't see, even though I don't like it, even though I don't want it that way. I'm not God, and you are, so okay. All right, God, I'm going to trust you. When he he says his thoughts for us are, are vast, it speaks to purpose and value for every single person in this place. Stop believing the lies of the enemy that says you're not valuable. Stop believing the lies of the enemy says that you don't have worth. God has called you into purpose and thinks about you. Paul says, remember, in Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I remember the plans that I had. He's saying, remember, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the world tries to steal that plan. The world is trying to cut that plan short. John 10.10 says this, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to steal your purpose, to steal your destiny, to destroy your life, to destroy your families, to kill your hope. That's the enemy that we fight. The beauty is this. In Jeremiah 29, God says, I have a purpose for you. I have purpose for you. And and each purpose is so distinctly different. He's created some to be mathematicians, some to be teachers, some to be accountants, some to run businesses. He's created some to, to play hockey, He's created some to fight. 
He's created some to 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 um, to be police. He's created some to he's created some to be dads and some to be moms. And he's created created us for purpose. He's created some to surf. He's created some to 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 play football. He's created some to. Um, there's a vast number of things, but know this, the God that we speak of in this Bible is very specific and purposeful. Therefore, your life and your purpose isn't randomness. He says, remember in verse 22 and 24, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And is, is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God and the true righteousness of holiness. Paul says to do these two things. He says, put off your old self and put on your new self. He says, there's two decisions. He says, take your old self and put it off. And he says, Put on your new self. There's, there's this action that is going on. You know, it's not sitting at home and praying, oh, God, change my circumstances. Oh, God, give me a job. Oh, God, give me a wife or a husband. Oh, God, do this for me. Well, you know what God's saying? Get off your butt and, and, and figure it out. I'll help and guide you and direct you, but get off your butt and stop whining about it and go take a job. And it may not be the job you want, but let me see you be faithful in that and watch what I might do. Too many of us are walking, oh God, I can't believe you gave me this life. Whoa, wait a second. The very next breath that you draw upon has been given to you by God. The fact that you're here is because of God. Walk in his purposes and humble yourself and watch what he might do. Some of us are sitting in, some of you are sitting in prisons because you've locked yourself in because you're, you, you've so just, oh God's put me in this place. No, the prisons where you find out who you are and God takes you to the next place and you'll sit before kings. But you're so, we're so caught up in the prison. Oh, I'm in a prison. Oh, I'm in a prison. Oh, I'm in a prison. It's in the midst of that. It's in the darkest hour. It's in adversity that you find out who God is and you find out who you are. It's in the hard. I'm just going tangent off tangent today. I'm sorry. Paul, Paul says to do these two things. In other words, he says, choose today who, today whom you'll serve. Your sin nature or, or Jesus. It says in Joshua 24, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the God which you fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose uh, land ye dwell. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, there's literally a choice to be made. There's a conversation in your head, let me tell you. And it's not, I will, will I serve the devil today or will I serve Jesus today? I don't think anybody here is having that conversation. I hope nobody here is having that conversation. There are people that have that conversation, but I don't think anybody here is having that conversation. Am I going to serve the devil today or am I going to serve Jesus today? Here's the conversation that you have. Am I going to serve me today or am I going to serve Jesus today? Now, the, the, you know, I, I could go back here. That and, 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 and this will get you in the same place. Verse 22, Paul literally says, put off your old self. Put yourself, me, put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life that is corrupt and, de and deceitful through your desires. If Paul is telling us to put it off, that must mean that, that we regularly pick up our old self and put it back on. 
that, that you and I as Christians are, are regularly putting on that thing that is comfortable to us. You know that movie, Sleeping with the Enemy. Too many times we sleep with the enemy because it feels good. We're comfortable in that. And we pick up that, that old boyfriend or the old girlfriend. We know it's terrible for us, but we're going to pick that up because it just feels a little comfortable and familiar. We pick up that old sin. We know it's bad for us, but we pick it up and we put it back on. And, and Paul is telling us, wait, wait, wait. You put that off because you're a new creation in Christ. Don't pick it up again. Don't pick it up again. How do I put it off then? If I just stopped there and said, okay, go get tacos, that's great. But how do I put it off? We, you need to be able to, this Bible is practical. This Bible is alive. This Bible gives me direction on how to live. How do I put it off? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, remember who you are. You remember that scripture? Therefore, if anyone in Christ, we, we read this a little while ago, remember this. If anybody in Christ, he, the old person has passed away, behold, the new has come. Now, that, that's not me anymore, okay? I'm, I'm, that old person has passed away. But Paul uses this word, therefore, and it's very interesting. He says, when he says, therefore, because we have to ask, what is therefore, therefore? There's a reason. Gina, you like that one, teacher? Okay. That's good. I've been waiting to use that one for you. Um, <laughs> and we have to ask, why did Paul say therefore? Therefore is, is for a reason. Therefore, the word therefore uses, takes us back to verse 15 and 16. And this is what he says in 15 and 16. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that the one has died for all, therefore all have died and he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, uh, for their sake, died and was raised. What's he saying here? How do I put off the old me? Through death, burial, and resurrection. You want to know how you walk in the newness of Christ? You want to know how you walk in the fullness of who God has called you to be? It's real fun. I'm telling you, you die. I wake up every morning, and I get to choose. I wake up in the morning and I have one of two choices. I'm going to put on me, all my chaos, all my worries, all my financial troubles, all my stuff. Or I wake up and I'm going to put on Christ. What, what does that look like? I have two choices to live for me or live for Christ. These are my two choices. Now what? If I choose to live for me, Paul says, I walk as the Gentiles. I choose to walk in the, the, the same selfishness I walked in for 50-some years. If I choose to walk for me, I walk in the same anger that I chose to walk in the last 50-some years. When I choose to walk for me, I walk in that same bitterness that I have for whatever family member, whatever ex-wife or husband, whatever child that I, I had. If I choose to walk for me, I'm unsettled, hopeless, and I feel dirty. If I choose to live for Christ, I die to me. How do I do that? I have to crucify my flesh. There's a war going on in my soul. And one side of my soul goes, you, it's all about you. You can get yourself out of this. You can control yourself. You can make it big. You can be the man. And there's another side that says, die. Galatians 5 says that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
And in verse 23 and 24, Paul just tells us how to do that. He says, to be renewed in the spirit by our minds and, and put on a new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Practically, what does that look like? It looks like this. Before I put my, put my foot on the floor, before my foot hits the floor in the morning, you allow God to order your steps. This is what dying looks like. When I wake up in the morning, I either choose to pick me up or I choose to pick up Christ. When I choose to pick up Christ, this is what goes through my mind. Today is yours, God. It's not mine. And the reality is this, it's not yours because the Bible says this, you don't hold today in your hand. I could be gone like that. I have no control over that. So therefore, when I choose to put on Christ, what I say is this, it's your day, God. Who's really in control? I think I am. When I choose me, I think I am, but I'm not. God, I need you to set my schedule. God, I quit. I quit tired. I'm tired. I quit, and I need you to do what you do in my life. God, I'm yours today. And when you tell me to turn right, I'm going to turn right. When you tell me to turn left, I'm going to turn left. When you tell me to sit down and shut up, I want to hear your spirit. I want to sit down and shut up. And then I go, thank you. See, because thank you is a posture in your heart that dictates what you really believe. Then you renew your mind. Paul says it this way. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So I wake up and I, I die to self and I quit and I go, God, you order my steps. Then, see, I'm still fighting at that time. There's still a fight going on. Those are just words that are spoken. There's still a fight that says, John, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Take control, big man. Take control. You can do it. And then Paul says to do this, though. He says, renew your mind. Make the choice to quit. Now, renew it with something, the Word of God. Romans 12, 1, through 2, 1 and 2 says this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's quitting. That's dying to yourself. Holy and acceptable God. That's, that's what God says when you're a new creation. He says, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. At that, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will? That's the biggest question. What's God's I said, this is what I tell people. People. When you renew your mind, God will tell you exactly what his will is for your life. And his will for your life is that you will put him on, Christ Jesus, and you would die to yourself, and that you would wash your mind with the washing of this word. And I'm telling you at that moment, purpose comes. Clarity comes. Knowledge comes. But too many of us get up in the morning and just go, I'm going to go with me. I'm going all in on me. How's that work so far? I mean, you probably had some successes. Let me fast forward. How's that going to work for you at the end of your life when you're standing before God? He says, who'd you put your trust in? I pushed all in for me. God goes, okay. I want to push all in for God. Choosing to renew your mind and dying to yourself is this. Exactly what we're talking about. Because when I was talking about this 20, 30 minutes ago, some of you are going, what's he? I ain't doing this crap. That's just honest. I, I fight it in my mind. 
choosing to renew your mind and dying to yourself is like, okay, I don't, that guy's nuts and he talks loud and all this stuff and, and he can't spell very well, but, but it seems to be pretty on scripture. All right, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to look at me and I'm going to go, nope, and I'm going to choose to put on Christ Jesus. And I'm going to renew my mind. And I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for your families. I'm going to fight for that which God has called us to fight for. Choosing to renew your mind is dying. Choosing to renew your mind and dying to self is, is, is grabbing the word of God and just washing it. Instead of Fox News, let's go with the word of God. Instead of MSNBC, let's go with the word of God. Instead of this government, let's go with the word of God and just wash and bring hope and bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship each and every day. See, because this is the beauty of this whole thing. By the grace of God, I'll wake up tomorrow morning and I'll have another choice. Me or Christ Jesus. I'm going to wake up Tuesday. I'm going to have another choice. Me, Christ Jesus. And it's going to go on until Christ comes back or my time is up. Why is this so important? Why, why is this prayer and fasting? Why is fighting for, grab me that mic and come up here. Why is this fighting for our family so important? Why does it matter? It matters because of what God wants to do in your family. You know why it matters that I fast and pray? Not because um, I'm great, because I, I can't do it apart from, from Christ. It matters because the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've got to get in the fight. It matters because of others and others' lives who have been changed. It matters because there's a son, a daughter, a nephew, a niece, an aunt, an uncle, a dad, a mom, someone in your family. God wants to move miraculously through, and he wants to use you. It matters because God is working. And I want to finish by uh, you hearing a story because stories matter. And uh, I'm going to have someone very special come up and, and read her story to us. Marilyn, come on up. So, come on. Sorry. So Marilyn is Heidi's mother, uh, Eddie's um, mother-in-law. She's a um, wonderful woman that we baptized a little over a year and a half, a year ago. Jewish Roots, who has had an encounter with Jesus. And uh, she, she read her, her, we go to lunch and talk and, and, and uh, I yell at her and tell her what to do and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, uh, we go and we, we go, we, and 
I've, I've encouraged, I'm like, read, tell her story. You got to tell your story. You got to, she wrote her story down. I want you to hear her story. And I asked if she would read it to us this morning. Yes, I'm going to have Chris. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Sorry. I have been to many different religious organizations all my life. I went to the Jewish shul in my growing up years, and I never understood what was preached because it was all in Hebrew. I did know I was to follow the Ten Commandments with fear God would get me if I didn't. Later in life, I tried to follow the Catholic teachings, and I questioned some of what I thought was hard to grasp. Not being able to take communion if you were divorced, for instance. Then in my life, when I was struggling with a very bad relationship with the husband of my children, I tried the Southern Baptist Church. I wasn't comfortable there. I just didn't fit in. My marriage was going down, and the Baptists for me couldn't help me. I did pray in desperation during this period of my life. I wish I was able to understand what prayer was all about, but I know now and is such a big part of my life now. Life today has changed for me completely. I am a new person. My son-in-law introduced me to John Blue and Pacific Point Church. I saw how Ed became a devoted Christian. I attended the church regularly and I began to truly understand me being a Jew and how I fit into all of this, that I could fit in and I got baptized. And now I like to call myself a completed Christian Jew. <laughs> I study the Bible every morning when it is nice and quiet in my room. I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me every day to where I should go and do during the day. I truly think if a person takes the time to go to church, <laughs> sorry, and really study the Bible and understand the Bible is giving us the best way to live our lives, their lives will change. Don't think we all that it's all roses. There will be hard times, and some things can hinder us. But if we pray and trust God, we will get through and even become stronger in our faith. One last thing that has truly blessed me was the day that John and Eddie baptized me in the ocean and how amazing it was. If you haven't done it, please do. A wonderful light came over me that day, and it shines in me every day. Family. We're fighting for families. Because there's generations. There's Marilyn. There's daughter and son-in-law, your grandkids, and eventually great-grandkids and great-grandkids. And something there's something here that God is doing. 
I want to challenge you. When you wake up, don't choose you. Choose Jesus. You, you heard it even as I didn't prep her here. Thanks for the props. So I didn't prep her. And, and she wrote that on her own. And just she gets up in the morning and reads her word. She surrounds herself by others. God wants to do something. That's why. That's why. And he wants to use you. I want to pray for Marilyn and her family. I want Chris to pray for her. And uh, each week we want to pray for a different family. And, and, and we want to fight with you and for you. Because that's the church. So join us as Chris prays a blessing over Marilyn and her family. Father, I thank you that um, even as we talk about remembering today, Lord, it's interesting what you remember and, and what you don't. Your word says that you, when we repent, you remember our sin no more, that you cast it as far as the east is from the west, Lord. And yet Psalm 9 says that you never forget those who are in need and the hope of the afflicted never perishes, Father. So I thank you so much for this woman's faith, Father. I thank you for Marilyn, Lord. I thank you that you saw her in need of something more than what she was walking in, Lord. And when she repented of sin and asked you to be her Lord and Savior, that the hope that comes to her never perishes, Father. We thank you that we have that kind of hope, Father. And we thank you for the testimony of her story, Lord. Her story brings life to us, brings hope to us, brings freedom and healing, Father God. And Lord, I thank you for a generational blessing that where the enemy would come and bring a curse, that you are turning that around and now bringing blessing to this household, Father God. I pray that it fall from the top, Father God, from Marilyn, through Eddie, through Heidi, through Cash and Cam and Taylor and every single one of the kids in that household, Father God, every person that they would touch, Lord, every family member who calls that family their home, Lord, that you would do a blessing and a miracle in them and through them. And we thank you for Marilyn's story that's starting it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> Thank you. As the musicians, uh, worship leaders come up, um, we want to stay in this, this attitude of celebration and, and prayer. And it's a time of communion. And communion is a time that uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus was with his disciples and uh, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that's been broken for you. It's a holy moment. He says, eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine that represent the blood of Jesus, his blood. And he said, when you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. I, I, take a moment before you receive the elements this morning. And just examine your life. Maybe ask God to help you not to choose you as much as you do. That you choose to put on Christ Jesus. We have communion stations to the right and the left and the back, and we do a family-style communion. Let me pray as you receive that this morning. Father, I thank you for your son who died for our sins that we might have life. God, as we come, let us examine our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. After you receive communion, we'll come back and we'll worship this one last song.